Amen. Hey, you can take a seat, Calvary students. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6. Open up your Bibles, your apps to John chapter 6. We believe in the inspired word of God through scripture. Okay, 66 books are found in the Bible, right? 27 New Testament and 33 in the Old Testament. And we're going to be in the New Testament today as we start our series, The I Ams of Jesus. So right now, earlier today, we were playing um, rock, paper, scissors, and I asked you to go ahead and introduce yourself to your enemy, the one who you're about to play, rock, paper, scissors. And you said, okay, my name is this, and I am whatever, right? Some of us in here are saying, well, I am a soccer player for this team, okay? Or I am a student at Pioneer, or I am a student at um, World Scholars, right? Or I am a, a musician. I am one of the uh, singers on the band, right? So we, we all kind of introduce each other in a very specific way, right? But here's the thing. Jesus claimed to be a lot of different things. He had a lot of I am's that we're going to go over in this semester, um, in the fall, in the book of John. And, and the thing is that when Jesus said, I am's, it eventually led to his death. Interesting. But here's why. So very quickly, okay, just a little background before we dive right into it. In Jewish culture, in the Old Testament, the very first time that God ever introduced himself to the world was through a burning bush. Okay, anybody heard of Moses? Okay, so Moses was the dude, right, that parted the sea, right? Everyone kind of knows him for that story. But when Moses was commanded to do all these things and, and go to the Pharaoh and all that, he was spoken by God through a burning bush. Okay, and Moses was listening and he was like, well, well who do I say is sending me, right? And what does God say? He says, tell him I am. I am who I am says God. He doesn't say anything after that. He doesn't say, I am God, or I am the Redeemer, or I am. No, he just says, I am, period, right? And there was this big moment, this like, man, he, like, it's, it's a boss move. You don't even have to say anything after I am. He just says, I am. I am who I am, right? And it's a boss move, and he's showing and expressing himself in, in a powerful way, where it's like, I don't even have to describe myself any more than that, because you sure already know who I am. I am. I'm everything. I'm, I'm God, right? And so the Hebrews, right, they, they took that statement very, very, um, like, seriously. They weren't even allowed to say, I am. They weren't allowed to call, call God, I am. So they would change his name to Yahweh, uh, uh, Yahweh right? And then eventually Adonai, and they started, you know, using different names because that I am statement is so powerful, you can't, you can't even say it. You're not worthy to, to even speak that into existence, right? But I can't imagine being killed for, for stating who I am, right? Yet Jesus was. And we're going to see actually how in, in John chapter 6, Jesus graciously and lovingly chooses to reveal more of himself to those that are following him and, that those, and to those that don't know him yet, right? These are the I am's of Jesus. So really quick, Jesus in this story, right before what we're about to talk about, he fed 5,000 people, okay? He fed 5,000 people. It was one of his many miracles, right? One of his signs. And then he decided to go ahead and amaze his disciples and walk on water, okay? The problem was, is that when Jesus walked on water, he went away from all the people that he fed, all the 5,000 people that he fed. 
And so these people are like, well, where in the world did Jesus go? Like, we need more of Jesus, okay? We got to go look for him, right? And this is where we pick up the story in John chapter 6. So follow along with me in your Bibles. We're going to read a little bit. I promise we'll get through it. And then we're going to very quickly talk about what this is telling us. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw there had only been one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side, they said, hey, Rabbi, when did you get here? But Jesus, knowing their hearts, right, he says, truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He says, don't work for the food that perishes. In other words, don't, don't seek me, is what he's saying, for, for food that's not going to last, but, but seek me for the food that's going to last forever, for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And so they say, well, what can we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? What are you going to perform, right? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness just as it is written. He gave them the bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. And here is what we're going to focus on. This is what Jesus says. He says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Everyone the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will never cast out for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose no, none of those that he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Has anybody ever been hungry before here? I mean, like really, really hungry, right? For some reason, I... At, the, at a specific time at night, I get the munchies, right? I, get, I, I, I just, oh man, I want something. And so what I'll do is I'll turn to my wife and I'll say, hey, I, I want a snack, right? And, and she's like, what time is it? Yep, it's right on schedule. It's exactly whenever you want a snack. But my wife's cool. She's usually pretty down. And she'll say, okay, bed, do you want a burger? Do you want nuggets? And I said, I said a snack, not a whole meal, right? Because I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not going crazy, but hey, I'm down for a Big Mac. And so sometimes we'll go and get a Big Mac or whatever, and we fulfill that hunger, right? But the thing is, is that we, we get hungry. When we hunger, though, it's our body telling us that we, we need something. Right? It's our body saying, yo, uh, I'm, I'm losing energy, or yo, like, I need something to, to satisfy this hunger, Right? But the thing is, is that Jesus knew that this was a great opportunity to emphasize that the hunger that they have on earth is nothing compared to the hunger that our soul is screaming at us to satisfy. You see, physically, our body is screaming and saying, hey, I'm hungry. I want this food. But spiritually, our soul is screaming out loud saying, man, I hunger for life, for something that will fully satisfy me. 
right? And the thing is, though, is that the, the, the disciples that are following Jesus are only focused on the food that they just ate. Remember, they just had the feeding of the 5,000, and that's all they were thinking about is like, how can I get some more loaves so I don't have to ever go to the store again, right? How can I do that? But Jesus knew that the things that they were looking for were so temporary. It wasn't eternal. It wasn't going to last. They were still going to be hungry the next day. And spiritually, we are starving ourselves every single day because we're distracted by our physical hunger. We hunger for so many different things that we don't even realize. And the question is, well, what do you hunger for? Right? For some of you, maybe you hunger for peace and anxiety from the thoughts that consume your mind, right? Maybe you hunger for that one person, that one boy, that one girl that you want to walk down the hall with, right? And just show to the world like, hey, this is my boo thing. Maybe you hunger for that. Maybe you hunger for a relationship with your parents. Maybe for your brother, for your sister. Maybe you don't have the type of relationship in your family that you so desire. Maybe you hunger for a career, right? Maybe you're saying, I can't get I can't wait to get out of high school so that once I'm done with high school, I'll start working and making all this money and I'll have a career and have success, right? But all these things are good. And I've said this before, not necessarily bad, but none of these things will ultimately satisfy you or last in light of eternity, okay? None of, thing, none of these things that you hunger for, that we hunger for, including myself, are going to last in light of eternity. And here's the first thing that I want us to recognize is that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Verse 35 through 37, he says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. Verse 37 says that everyone the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus is the bread of life. He will ultimately satisfy and fulfill every hunger that you have spiritually that your soul is crying out for, okay? The next thing that I want us to recognize is that Jesus never casts out anyone. Jesus never ever will cast anyone out. Has anybody ever felt like an outcast before? Anybody? I'll tell you a quick story. I know I have. So I, I, I'm a people person. I want people to be my friends, okay? I don't like not having friends. I like people around me and, and laughing and making memories. And I remember I was a freshman in college, and I was a part of this organization called BSM, which is Baptist Student Ministry. It was my first time ever going. And uh, what happens after the gathering that they have, they, they worship and have a message, people usually like to go out to eat and they go and hang out with all their friends. And unfortunately, and this happens not only in college, but it happens in high school and middle school, and, and maybe you've been a part of this too. There seems to be groups that form. I would call them cliques that form. And for some reason, you're not invited to that or you're not a part of that clique or group and people feel left out, right? And so what happens is that somehow my friend, we're both freshmen, says, yo, I heard they're all going to Denny's after uh, worship, after the, after the message. I said, oh, for real? Well, I didn't get invited. And they were like, no, they said like, go ahead and invite people. Like, 
So this person just invited me. And I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Like, this is exactly what I want. I want to be a part of the, the, the group. I want to be in already, right? Because these people were like juniors and seniors in college and I'm just a little freshman, right? And I'm like, I want to be a part of this crew for sure, right? I want to make them laugh. I want to make memories. And so we pull up to the Denny's, we get off and, and we go inside and they had like a whole row, like literally from, from the edge of the stage to the edge of the stage, a whole row of tables just lined up next to each other. Just boom, 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 right? And so we pull in and we see the tables and every single seat is filled. Every single seat is filled. And I'm like nervous because I'm like, where do we sit? Like it's that moment where you walk into the cafeteria and you're just like, oh my gosh, where do I sit, right? Like, and so me and my friends walked in and we just looked at everyone. Nah, and so we like walked like away and we actually hid in a corner of, in a booth, right? And we we're like, I really hope they don't see us, right? And so we decided to not join the group because we didn't feel welcome. We didn't feel like we were a part of the team. And then somebody comes down and says, hey, wait, I recognize you. You were, you were at the worship gathering, right? And my friend's like, yeah. He's like, oh, I invited you, right? Yeah, yeah cool. And then he just like walked away. And so I was so embarrassed. I was so sad. I was so hurt. I was like, I just wanted to be your friend. That's all I ever wanted. Don't worry. It all worked out. We ended up being friends. It was great. And he actually was my, one of my best friends. And, but it just felt so embarrassing. I felt so lonely, just like, almost like, ah, oh, I cringe. Right. And I don't know if anybody's ever felt that before when, when you so desperately want to be a part of a crew or a group. And maybe you felt like an outcast, but the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus will never cast out anyone. Verse 37 says it very clearly. Everyone the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out, never cast out. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the guilt, the shame that the enemy wants to fill in your mind. Nothing can ever deter Jesus from receiving you into his grace and love and his arms. There's a book called Gentle and Lowly. And um, the author quotes John Bunyan. And, and yeah, bummer of a name. Poor guy, his last name is Bunyan. But John Bunyan loved this verse. He loved the idea that Jesus would never cast out anyone. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just quote, I'm going to read this to you very quickly. I'm going to go fast. Um, and and there's, there's some big words here, but don't worry. Like we can help you later and talk about it. But I'm going to read it very quickly. He says, there is a mountain of truths packed into this one single verse. And he says, this is what Jesus is saying. It says, number one, all or most, right? Some translations say every. Once the father sets his loving gaze on a person, that person will be rescued. As soon as Jesus sets his eyes on somebody that he wants to save, they will be rescued. Then he talks about the father, right? Our salvation is not a matter of a gracious son trying to calm down an angry father. Salvation is not Jesus trying to calm down a God who's mad or, or mean, right? But the father himself ordains our deliverance or the father himself puts into motion the process of salvation by sending his son. He's the one that takes the initiative. 
continue. It says gives. Whoever the Father gives, right? It doesn't say um, whoever the Father hopes for. Whoever the Father hopes will eventually choose to love him. No, he says whoever the Father gives to Jesus. It's the Father's delight to freely trust Jesus to, to help and handle those sinners that so desperately need salvation. And then it says, will come, right? God's saving purpose for a sinner is never thwarted. He's never frustrated. He never runs out of resources. If the father calls, we will come. It's not a maybe, it's gonna happen. But yet whoever comes, yet we're not robots, okay? While the father is clearly the overseer, he's clearly the one putting everything in motion. We're not dragged kicking and screaming against our will to follow Jesus. In fact, his grace is so amazing. His grace and love is so awesome that our own desires begin to change. Let me tell you, man, when I first met my wife, I'm going to be transparent because I believe in honesty. I had a lot of debt. Credit cards. Don't do it. Sorry. That was my rant. But I had a lot of credit card debt and I was scared to talk to my girlfriend at the time. She's my girlfriend. That's what, this is usually what happens. You date and you have a girlfriend, then you get engaged and you get married and she becomes your wife, right? So I had a lot of debt and I'm talking like thousands, okay? Some of you don't even have 20 bucks. <laughs> Imagine thousands of debt that you owe to the bank. Sorry, I'm, under, I'm going off topic. But I share with her, hey, this is how much I owe. But I, don't, I didn't just share with her my, my, my debt or what I had to owe to the bank, I shared with her my plan. I said, but I love you so much that before we even get married, I'm gonna take care of this. And before we got married, I cleared out all my credit card debt. The, the love that I had for my, my, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, and the love that she had for me changed my perspective on how I wanted to love my wife. It changed everything about me. And so I immediately reacted and I said, this, is, this love is too amazing. I'm gonna have to work myself out of this. But the beauty again of the gospel is that you don't work yourself out of anything because Jesus has already done that for you by dying on the cross. Beautiful, beautiful story. And lastly, comes to me. We do not come to a set of rules, okay? We do not come to a church. We do not even come to the gospel, but all of these are vital, okay, hear me. All of them are important, but most truly we come to a person and that's Christ Jesus. That's who we come to. Jesus, whoever the Father wills, will send him to Jesus. He won't send him necessarily to a building, to a set of rules, but to a person, and that is Jesus. And the last thing that I wanna say is that Jesus is the Holy One of God. He is the Holy One of God. At the end of the passage, the disciples that we're following him, are listening to Jesus, and they say, man, this is too hard. Verse, verse 67, I'm sorry, uh, verse 60 says, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can follow? Who can accept it? And verse 66 says that from that moment, many of his disciples turned back, and they no longer accompanied him, right? And then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, hey, do you want to leave too? And listen to what Peter says. Lord, where will we go? To whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Holy. What does that mean? To be set apart. Holy. To be set apart for a specific purpose. And God set apart Jesus to love you by dying on a cross, 
but not just dying, resurrecting back again to life. So our question is, how will you respond? Will you respond like the other disciples and say, hey, I just, I'm just here to have a good time, meet some friends, play some dodgeball, and I'm out. Because as soon as that's gone, I don't want to be here. Or are you the one that will be like Peter and say, no, no, where else can we go? I've tasted and seen the goodness that is Jesus. And I want to follow him regardless if we have a building, regardless if, if we have food or, or, or uh, dodgeball or coffee, regardless of any of that. I'm here because I know that there's eternal bread of life given in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Father, that ultimately you were glorified, that ultimately you um, were the one that is being reflected, Jesus, and honored and praised. And I pray for every single heart in this room from seventh grade to 12th grade, wherever they are, Father, wherever their struggles that they have right now, that they would know that they can bring them to you, Jesus, and that you won't cast them out because you have the bread of life and you are the Holy One. You've been set apart for this purpose so that they would come to know you. Lord, I pray for the anxiety, for the depression, for the confusion, for the hurt, for the pain that our students are going through. And I, we put them in your hands, Jesus. And I pray ultimately, Father, that they would find comfort and peace knowing that there is you that will carry their burdens and that there is a church here and leaders that want to love them and walk with, uh, through these burdens with them. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.